Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Today's film is the classic that everyone is sure to love, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama. Nineteen eighty eight film from a very prolific director, David Decoteau. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, with a title like that, how can you go wrong? That's right, you know. Is that how you pronounce <laughs> <laughs> How's your French, Craig? David Decoteau? Do you know this? Am I pronouncing this right? I have no idea if you're pronouncing it right or not, but it was funny. I, I looked this guy up today to see if I recognized anything else that he had done, and um, really I didn't, but you're you're right. He is really prolific. What I thought was really interesting about him, I was reading in his IMDb bio that his method of filmmaking is that he just wants to make popular movies. He wants to make movies that people are going to want to see, and so he uh, has done like really diverse stuff, and he's directed under various aliases depending on what type of stuff he's doing. Doing. Um, I guess uh, at some point in his career, probably early, I would guess, um, he did some adult films under a different name. And he's also done some like, I don't know if they were technically Hallmark Channel or Lifetime, but those types of movies, um, romances and like um, My Mom Turned Into a Dog and those kinds of family-friendly fare. Um, <laughs> he's also done, he's done, and, and those he does under uh, a woman's name, Mary something. And uh, he's also done some like, softcore gay erotica thrillers so like he's got oh, really this re- <laughs> yeah and he's done um you know i think he's got over 50 directing credits so he's really uh, oh. and he's still working i mean he's he's got movies in production and in post-production so uh this guy he's got a pretty established career i'm looking at his page right now craig don't sell this man short he's got 131 directing credits <laughs> really <laughs> yeah wow. and he's like you're right he's he, it's, it's like five movies a year it's insane uh, like ever since the 80s. It's it's crazy. I did look up a little bit more about him because I do recognize him. I have seen other stuff that he's done. He's a name that keeps popping up, but I never knew to give him so much credit. I mean, bless this guy's heart. Uh, I think he's Canadian, and you're right. He just does what's going to sell. And I looked up a quote, and I think it's from an interview where he mentioned that in the 80s, was kind of a golden era. He said that home video market was really booming, and basically you couldn't fill it fast enough. So he said it was really easy to sell movies back then. And I think this would be one of those films that he just made for the home video market. And he keeps saying a lot of his movies, they do really, really well, but you're not going to recognize most of them. (laughs) Right, right. And it's funny, like you said, I mean, he just cranks them out. Like I read that as soon as this movie was over, he started his next movie and he just used the same cast and crew. Like (laughs) like they just kept making movies. Um, So I, I, interesting. The other one that I really recognize, because I've never seen it yet, but I, I always saw the cover, was Creepazoids. Creepazoids. Yeah, you yeah. You remember that one? And there's another one. I don't remember it, but I've heard of it. Dr. Alien, and he did a couple of the Puppet Master uh, sequels, not the original, but a, right. a few of the sequels. So, yeah, well, hats off to this man. He's still going, and uh, bless his heart, he's still making movies, and people are watching him, or else he wouldn't still be doing yep. it. We're watching this one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, I actually put this one on the list because I wanted to discuss this with you, not because it's super profound, but just because I have lots of memories of this movie. You and I have talked before in the past about our fondness for USA Up All Night, and Mm -hmm. that is where I saw this movie. Now, I don't know if it just made that deep of an impression on me that I remember it all this time, or if they showed this movie several times. I don't know if they repeated films on that on that series or not, but I definitely, oh, I'm sure they did. I remember sitting up and watching this movie and thinking this is insane, but enjoying it nonetheless for what it was. And what it is, is a very low budget. I mean, almost so bad. It's good horror movie. I don't know. I, it falls into that category for me. Like this is a kind of movie. I think you could sit down and watch with your friends and laugh out loud at it. And although it's not at the same level as, One of our other favorite directors in this category, what's his name, (laughs) did the uh, Sorority House Massacre 2 and all those, my buddy. Oh, yeah, I don't Uh, remember. You you told me. I don't remember what his name is, but you're right. I mean, it's exactly that type of movie. It's exactly the type of movie that you would have expected to see on USA Up All Night. And, and, you know, those movies often had titles uh, like this. And, and, (laughs) you know, this is one of those movies where – 
if you look at this title and you look at the cover art, you know what you're getting into. Um, (laughs) And so I I can't imagine why anybody would go into this expecting anything of, you know, super high quality, super high caliber. Um, I'm sure that it probably did stand out to you as a young boy and adolescent from the same reason that most of those movies uh, stuck out or stood out to us um, because there's boobies and, and, you know, like (laughs) it it seems very much targeted at an adolescent male audience. And uh, I think that adolescent males uh, could enjoy it. Now, maybe college age guys, our age guys, I would maybe uh, advise drinking heavily or, <laughs> or <laughs> somehow somehow altering your mind in some way because I think uh, that it might be a little bit more of an enjoyable experience um, than sitting down and watching it at noon on a Saturday afternoon by yourself, <laughs> which is what I did today. <laughs> you poor poor man what you really need to do is uh is sit down you know late at night uh you're right as an adolescent boy with ronda sheer popping in every now and then to do something crazy absolutely or, or handle bowling balls or pins or something like that right <laughs> well this movie starts off sure enough with uh three guys who are college-age dudes sitting around Three very unlikely characters to be hanging out together, but oh well. This is unique because it seems like we have two nerdy guys in the group. Two guys who, for me, were so difficult to tell apart because they looked so similar and were both wearing like the same pair of glasses. Am I wrong about this? Uh-huh. And then No, you're right, you're right. And then the fat guy, right? The fat beer swilling guy. Right. <laughs> and those well, are- and, and I think that it's it's supposed to be that these are three nerdy guys. And it's, it's funny because, you know, the, the heavier one, I think his name is uh, Jimmy. You could see how he might not be the most popular. But the other two guys are these good-looking 80s guys that they just slapped these big framed glasses on. Like, look, we're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can tell it's they're good-looking f- under those glasses, but uh, we're not supposed to know that. Right. <laughs> exactly. And the other two, uh, one of them is Keith and uh, the other one is... Calvin. And uh, the only one that I recognized of the guys was Calvin. And his name, I think, is Andrus Jones. Um, And the only thing that I recognized him from was he was in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Um, He played the main character's brother and he like uh, fought Freddy in a dojo like a ninja. Like, (laughs) so Ah. I I remembered that. I remember him from that. But um, for the most part, there there are definitely, especially if you're into horror and 80s horror and these kind of low budget things, there are going to be some faces that you're going to recognize. But for the most part, most of these people were not recognizable to me. No. (laughs) These three guys are sitting, one is watching TV. Is it Calvin is the one who's watching TV or is it Keith? Yeah. And he's watching Creepazoids. That's right. (laughs) And, uh, and, and I guess Calvin's supposed to be the guy who's a little unsure about girls because Jimmy's basically saying, Hey, what are we going to do tonight? Keith asks for a beer. Come on, you gonna give me one of those brews or what? No way! Oh, come on, you gonna suck them all up by yourself? Sure, why not, Derma? Oh, come on, let me have one. What's it worth to you? Well, I know we're the Tri Delta Sororities having their initiation tonight. Yeah? Felta Delta? And you just might be able to watch. I think that's worth a brusque or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Felta Delta. <laughs> uh, and so their idea and is it, they're going to go watch this initiation because it's going to be sexy. And it's so corny. I mean, the dialogue throughout, you know, I, I almost have to think that they were they were playing it for the cheese because the, it's it's just laid on so thick. Um, and, and the delivery is is over the top and, and silly. I mean, the acting, it's hard to even be critical of the acting because you almost feel like I get what they were going for. You know, this isn't supposed to be high quality acting. It's supposed to be goofy and cheesy and over the top. Um, but the dialogue is just so silly. I mean, Keith, I think, is um, talking about this uh, Felta Delta initiation. And he says something like, Last year. There was a school with great boobs. And Babs makes her wear a bra full of worms. And then do push-ups. Deep push-ups. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how awesome would that be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's, it's, it's so silly. That's what gets me off, definitely. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't say that I've ever explored that particular <laughs> fetish, but um, you know, <laughs> to each their own. I suppose. Oh man, <laughs> and 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 they're just acting so goofy, and like they try to get calvin to drink a beer and apparently he's never drank before and like so they kind of razz him about that and he finally takes it and he opens it with his teeth like <laughs> like was that a, like a can of beer a can of beer he opens it with his teeth like was that a cool thing to do in the 80s i, I don't know i wasn't i wasn't drinking beer in the 80s so um <laughs> maybe that was what the cool guys did i don't know and then we jump from them over to felta delta where we've got Three sorority sisters. The leader is Babs, um, and she's played by Robin Still, who I think was kind of big in in the eighties. Like, well, not big, but big she was working. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's Rhonda, and then there's another one. It was so hard to keep track of who these characters were because they're so nondescript, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, those three—they just are a trio, and they kind of do everything together. But they're talking. They're they're like getting ready. They're like putting robes on for this initiation, and they're having these really vapid conversations about how the robes are going to ruin their hair and blah blah. And, oh my god! Uh, eventually, so uh, it cuts out. It cuts out to the living room where – another thing that I thought was funny, apparently only two girls are rushing this sorority. Um, <laughs> and, and the two girls – the two girls and, – and they're just sitting in the living room like having a conversation. And their names are Taffy and Lisa. Um, and Lisa's, Lisa's the tall one and Taffy's the not tall one. Like that's, that's the only <laughs> distinction between them. What are we doing here? We're joining a sorority. Thanks for clearing that up. I mean why are we putting up with this? You want to get somewhere in this college, don't you? This is the sorority to join. So what? We said humiliation is the only way to join a sorority. I think it's supposed to build character and create a bond of sisterhood. I think it's institutionalized sadism. <laughs> Initiates were not given permission to speak. That infraction will require punishment. And they, they stand up, and, and you realize that they're in their panties and crop tank tops. tops. Yeah, the, yeah. Shortest, <laughs> the shortest crop tops ever. <laughs> that was hilarious. That and was they walk, laugh out loud. It, it is hilarious. It is, it, because it doesn't make any kind of sense. I mean, why? I don't know. I didn't do the whole uh greek life thing so maybe that was a hazing thing you know i can see guys you know wanting to humiliate guys but i don't really know that i buy sorority girls forcing their pledges to run around in their panties i don't know what would be the appeal of that um <laughs> but they 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 so the sisters call them over like to this like table behind a couch and they make them bend over and they start spanking them with this paddle and they proceed to spank them for like the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nonstop spanking for these poor girls. <laughs> and the girls are making these noises like, ooh, ow. <laughs> like every time they get spanked. And it goes on for so long because we see that the three guys have arrived at the house and like, they arrive outside the front door of the house. We still hear the spanking going on. They walk around the house. We still see the spanking going on or hear the spanking going on. They look in the window. It's still going on. Right. And what I thought was the funniest, one of the funniest parts of the movie was um, they're standing there. I mean, they literally have a direct, they can't be more than, I don't know, six, seven feet away from these girls watching them get spanked. And then they're like, Hey, come on! Let's find a better view. And like, are you kidding me? A better view? You're like, you're you're basically in the same room, like on top of them. These are front row um, seats right here. <laughs> I know. So silly, but oh. uh, they they had to get them in the house, I guess. So they go in the house. But my favorite part is that the house that they go to uh, clearly says Alpha Chi uh, Omega on the front. <laughs> and when the girls pull out, the girl pulls out the paddle to spank them with. The paddle is like is like beta pi theta it's 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 like they don't know what sorority they're really in god that's funny i didn't even notice it's hilarious because clearly they actually shot this at a sorority house and they actually got like an authentic paddle but they couldn't mm -hmm. be bothered to change the lettering on any of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's obvious that the the budget is super low. I I, I think that all of their um, filming was done on locations. I mean, most of the movie takes place in a mall, um, and they they just had to rent out this mall space. But um, the budget was too low for them to shut down the mall uh, and and film during the day. So they the mall would close at nine o'clock. They would move in and start shooting until it opened again at nine o'clock in the morning, and they'd have to be out of there by then. 
that being said, as obvious as the low budget as it is, and as cheeseball as the acting is, the movie doesn't look bad. Not really, um, no. From, from a cinematography perspective, it looks all right. I mean, the script is stupid. There's some cheap, corny effects. But the cinematography actually looks pretty good. It, it's, it's really not, it's not grainy. It's not, it doesn't seem pedestrian. It doesn't seem like, you know, a made-for-TV movie. Um, as far as uh, the, the, the camera work went, I, I thought it was pretty impressive, actually. Well, my only criticism of it is it seemed a little dark a lot of the times. Uh, yeah. One of those cases where sometimes it was a little hard to see. And you're not sure if it was dark because of the transfer. You know, sometimes just the transfer to video, things, things you know, get messed up. Or if it's because that's the way they were going for it to try to create an atmosphere, or because they were trying to hide a lot of stuff. <laughs> it might be a right, combination right. of all three. Yeah, I have but. a feeling that's what it was. Was that they? I I think they were trying to hide things, um, especially when you get into the second half of the movie and there's some special effects and like makeup effects and stuff, and they're not very high tech. I think they probably were trying to show uh, or hide rather some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, they just it just keeps laying the cheese on thick, like after they get spanked they stand up and the other girls are like oh okay um now it's time for whipped cream delight and they just pull out these aerosol whipped cream things and just start shooting it all over their bodies again (laughs) (laughs) now why would this be in a movie i get it that would be something that a 13 14 year old boy would appreciate seeing but would this ever happen like it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense and so then of course they have to send them upstairs to shower off where both girls go up into the bathroom together and are both completely nude one of them's just standing in front of a mirror like fretting over her hair the other one's just like hosing herself down with one of those handheld shower wands she's hosing herself down for two or three times as long as they were paddling it's probably a good 15 minutes (laughs) she's getting really clean yeah really clean like she's all sudsed up and like she'll she'll spray herself down a little bit and then it'll cut away and you'll come back and she's all sudsed up again (laughs) she's, she's bathing really really thoroughly i guess her mom taught her well yeah um, but but eventually the guys you know they show up outside the door and that's kind of what leads to the impetus for the the plot if you want to call it that <laughs> it's the classic three heads on top of each other in the doorway uh, peering in on these yeah. girls but then uh, they one of the sisters it must be oh it's probably babs who comes babs. upstairs yeah. behind them pushes them from behind they all fall into the room so they're caught and so we realized pretty quickly that Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie must be the only three girls in the sorority at all because they're the only yeah. three that we see except for some hooded figures that – it seems like earlier on there's some hooded figures that walk into the room and just like walk right through it <laughs> and out. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so the three of them uh, meet and have a powwow with the other five. Uh, so Jimmy, Keith, and Calvin are in there. Lisa and Taffy are in there, and Babs decides, okay – Here's where she comes up with their final task. It's not only to get the sisters initiated, but it's to punish the guys uh, coming in the house. And the five of them are required to break into the local bowling alley and steal a bowling trophy and bring it back. And if they do this, then uh, Lisa and Taffy will be initiated into the sorority. And I guess the guys will get their penance for breaking into the sorority house. Why? Right, right. It's so silly. Like, why these guys feel like they would have to do anything these girls tell them to do makes no sense. But in any case, that's where they go. And as they're leaving, uh, the sisters, the Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie kind of turn to each other and have a little chatter, more inane chatter. You've got more plan than you're letting on, Babs. I can see it all over your face. Honey, did you forget? Daddy owns the mall. Oh, that's right. We can get it so easily. We'll watch our victims on the security cameras. And when they're not ready for it, we'll scare the shit out of them. (laughs) Babs, you're absolutely evil. I think they're going to be watching them and they're going to try to mess with them and and like try to keep them from getting the trophy or something, which never plays out. They never do anything. They just watch. And and it's also really funny because she's like, don't forget, my dad owns the mall. So apparently what that means is if her dad owns the mall, that she can just, she has a key, I guess, and she can just kind (laughs) of go in and gallivant throughout the mall um, throughout the night. I guess if your dad owns the mall, that's what you get to do. And, and you know the ins and outs of the security system. So you can get 
get up into the control room and watch your friends mumble around the mall. Oh, it's so goofy, but you know, it's not even, I'm not even being critical because it's clear that this, this is what they were going for. They were making a, a goofy movie. So to try to make logical connections and, and rationales for why these things are happening, there's, there's no point. You just oh, go yeah. with it. Oh yeah. And, and you know what? I, kind of like it like i love the movies that take place in malls i just have a soft spot in my heart for that even if it's dark and it's it's you know empty uh i think it's kind of a fun setting for this movie that the bowling alley i guess is part of this mall or is attached to this mall and as uh-huh. you said it was filmed in a real mall like the plaza camino or something in los angeles and, and that's just kind of a fun setting so they get to the mall and they have no trouble at all breaking into this bowling alley because calvin who i guess we're supposed to believe is still drunk from the one beer yeah, that he had? from that one beer, right. <laughs> uh, you know, as they're all looking for the line to the security system, because Keith suggests he can break in and he could cut the line to the burglar alarm, Calvin just leans on the door and falls backwards as he pulls the handle and it just opens. And then they walk in the door <laughs> <laughs> to this bowling alley and it's dark and they just kind of stand there and talk for a little while. And then we see that the girls have, in, the other girls have indeed gotten into the mall and gone to the security uh, area and are watching on a few screens. And then we get a great scene. Um, and I thought this was maybe one of the best little running gags in the whole film was our janitor. Uh, at least you think yeah. he's a janitor because he's in the janitor's closet. He's he's actually ends up being the guy who runs the bowling alley, or at least has been the night watchman for forever. I don't even know. I don't right. know if a bowling right. alley really needs a night watchman, but I just like to think maybe this guy owns the bowling alley. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that is our good buddy, George Buck Flowers. Yep. Again, really recognizable, especially from the 50s and 60s, and not just horror films, but a lot of these low-budget movies and films just – Kind of a charming guy who always basically plays the same dude. He's got a really distinctive voice, like this kind of raspy voice, and um, just a really recognizable face. And yeah, he does. He pops up in these low-budget things all the time, but you see him pop up in big-budget stuff, too. I mean, he was in Back to the Future. Um, he was in, um, oh gosh, we watched it. They Live? Is that the one? He had a pretty big part in They Live, I think. He did. But anyway, you'd recognize him. We also saw him in that uh, Train movie with David Copperfield. Isn't that right? Wasn't he like the... One of the guys. Yeah, the, Terra Train. Yeah, Terra Train. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. Mm-hmm. And he's coming out of the closet just at this time when the guys are coming through, the guys and the girls. And it's this great shot down the hallway as you see him, you know, the closet door is somewhat ajar and he's coming out. And as they're coming down the hallway, they're backing up against the hall because it's kind of small. And they end up closing the door on him as they're talking. And he ends up locked in the in the closet. It's funny because the movie keeps cutting back to him just to sort of remind us, oh, remember this guy's still locked in the closet. This will be significant later. There, there's at least right. one or two more times when he tries to come out of the closet where, again, somebody not even noticing that he's there ends up closing the door. I, I thought that was hilarious. It is it is funny, and part of it's funny, and it, it's it's so stupid. I mean, that's oh, what makes dumb. it funny, but they just, they just give him these little one-liners. Fucking get stuck tighter than an ant's And just... Just stupid. He just rolls them off throughout the movie. And then there's also later on when he finally gets out of the closet and he starts interacting. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to the scene. But there's also a big gag about how he can't hear well. So everything that they say to him, he misinterprets and things they say. He's funny. I would say he's probably my my favorite part of the movie. Um, That and the imp. That and the imp that we're getting to in a second. Because what happens... Uh, well, I guess first we have to say Calvin is is looking around and he bumps into he he comes upon this girl who is apparently robbing the bowling alley and and this girl's name is Spider again another one of our favorites uh, played by Linnea Quigley yeah. who was really just kind of a a horror queen uh, in the 80s. Lots of low-budget stuff. We've seen her in several movies and talked about her before. Um, and uh, she's funny. She's really, she, she plays the antithesis of these other girls. She's a tough street girl uh, who doesn't take any 
bowl. And, um, you know, she thinks that these uh, <laughs> college kids are just kind of pathetic losers. Um, but it's funny because she, Spider and Calvin kind of hit it off right from the beginning. And you can tell right from the beginning that he's kind of smitten with her. And it doesn't take very long, even though they're so different, you can tell it doesn't take very long before she's kind of smitten with him too. Um, and they kind of become a duo throughout uh, the rest of the movie. I like that she has a crowbar. And when we first see her, she's using the crowbar to try to break into the cash register and then a little later on she uses the crowbar to open up the the chained gate where the bowling trophies are and then later on we see her and she's using a crowbar to try to break into like a pinball machine i guess she wants to get quarters out of it like this woman just runs around using a crowbar on everything it's hilarious It is funny. Okay, so I knew, I I read the synopsis of what this movie was going to be. And so I knew that what was going to happen, it was basically going to kind of be a genie in a lamp kind of situation um, mixed kind of with um, the monkey's paw kind of deal. So I had read that they were eventually going to break this trophy, which they pretty much do as soon as they get it. um, And out of this trophy is going to pop this imp. And uh, the premise is this imp pops out um, and he tells them that he will grant them all one wish, whatever they want. So the plot moves forward from there and it's funny. And and what turns out, you know, Calvin and maybe somebody, maybe Spider 2 are reluctant. They're like, you know, I think Calvin even says, wait a minute, Jimmy. What for? What have I got to lose? You don't know what you're dealing with. I mean, I mean maybe the wishes could come true and then go bad on you. I, I, I don't know. I hear that's happened sometimes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like oh yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> way to be observant. Um, but that is in fact what happens. But what was so funny to me was this. This imp pops out and it's just like a rubber hand puppet. Like it's just the cheapest looking thing. And and you only ever see it like it never moves. I mean, like its mouth kind of moves when it talks and stuff, but it seems like they just frame it so that you can't even really see the bottom of it. I imagine there was somebody just below frame with their hand up in this puppet. I mean, that's yeah. what it looks like. But I just started cracking up as soon as it started talking because it's a freaking jive imp. Well, well, well. How to do, boys and girls? Oh, your little faces are just so full of surprise. Well, I'm just as happy to be here as you are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like it talks like like Shaft or like it re- reminded me mostly of like Donkey from Shrek uh, oh, is, is how this thing talks. And, and oh my God, it's just so funny. Um, and it, I, I guess I had read that in some of the early trailers, they had used a really high-pitched voice for it, and I don't know what changed, but by the time the movie came out, they had switched it to this like jive-talking thing. And oh my god, it is just hilarious. <laughs> I was, you know, I was thinking they were deliberately trying to channel the plant from the Little Shop of Horrors. The uh, yeah, yeah, that works too. Must have come out around the same time, right? It was eighty-eight or eighty-nine or eighty-seven when that movie. Yeah, came out. sounds about right. But I love that. I don't know if you looked at the uh, at the credits for the imp. Uh, the imp is played by a man named Dookie Flyswatter, <laughs> which is oh, great. Dookie Flyswatter, which is uh, obviously uh, a name uh, for a guy named Michael Sonier, who has been in uh, a lot of these uh, goofy, goofy horror movies like Surf Nazi Must Die in this one. I guess he decided that this film was too beneath him for him to give his actual name. I have no idea. Anyway. I don't know, but it's hilarious. And as soon as he pops out, he's like, I'll grant you any wish you want. What you want? I'll get you anything you want. <laughs> and um, so, so you know, Calvin warns them or whatever. But um, Jimmy, the heavy guy, was like, whatever, I'm making a wish. And so he wishes for gold. And this big pile of, well, it's not even a big pile, a little tiny pile of gold uh, <laughs> appears behind him. And, he see, and it's like, you know, lit with this heavenly light and there's like smoke around it he starts going back to it and he's like i mean these are throwaway lines it's not like these are significant lines but as he's going back he's like all excited and he's like "Ooh, i'm gonna be rich i'm gonna get my nails done and my hair (laughs) (laughs) what <laughs> this is this tubby guy with like a crew cut. He's like, I'm gonna get my nails done and my hair. I know. And then he then he starts talking about all the cars he's gonna buy and whatnot. But I was like, what just happened? I know. Oh, so weird. <laughs> and he oh just, man, he just sits and just starts playing with the gold. It's it's pretty funny. Maybe we're supposed to believe that he's under a spell as well when he goes and sees. I him. guess. Um, then the other girl, like these are the these are the worst wishes. Well, well, the one guy, uh, I think it's a. Uh, 
Calvin or Keith? It's Keith. Keith, um, the impact yeah. says, what do you want? Keith's like, oh, I don't really know. And he pulls him forward. And he, he says something really, really raunchy. He says like – Raunchy. I, yeah. I, bet, I bet you'd like to bang that bitch there in the sweater or whatever. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I really would. And so he says, okay, coming up. And so Lisa immediately – springs into seductress mode and comes towards him and pulls him away. This is another really goofy and silly part of this movie. Uh, as soon as she pulls him away, uh, she takes him into, I guess it's the locker room of the bowling alley. Um, right. I didn't know bowling alleys had locker rooms, but this must be a really, <laughs> really serious bowling alley. <laughs> right, right. These guys, man, they sweat when they bowl and they can't leave. They've got to clean up and go back out and bowl some more. Uh, <laughs> she, um, she gets on top of him and we get – it basically keeps cutting back to the two of them. I guess the idea here is that she suddenly becomes too much for him to handle. Uh, this boy who's nerdy, who's never had a girl before. Most guys, I think, in this situation would be pretty thrilled by this. But this this guy is – all he does is sit there and say, oh, wait a minute. H- hold on there. We've got to talk. Just a minute. Stop. Wait. We've got to talk. <laughs> while, she's, while she's straddling him and taking his clothes off and taking her clothes off. And it keeps cutting back to this scene just whenever we need a break from the main action. She's in like, I don't even know, like panties and like a bustier and like a garter belt and stockings. Like she's all sexed out. Like the wish like made her this big sex pot. And this scene is really funny, but it kind of goes on for a long time. Like you said, it keeps cutting back and forth. He's just on his back like the whole time. And um, he's not being handsy with her or anything, but she is all over him. And I was and like eventually um, she takes her top off and and she's, of course, got these great big, huge boobs. And like she grabs his hands and puts him puts them on her boobs. And it's like he's feeling her boobs and stuff throughout all of this. I mean, she is straddling. I mean, she they are crotch to crotch and she's writhing around and um Eventually, she goes to try to pull his his pants off, and um, he's kind of what it seemed like to me was like he was she was between his legs, and he was trying to keep his legs spread so that she couldn't get the pants off. And and you know he's objecting. It actually the tone felt. I have a feeling in the eighties it wouldn't have phased anybody at all. Um, but it, with our sensibilities today, uh, it, it got a little bit uncomfortable because he yeah. was saying things like, "No, I." I- I think you're doing this because of some sort of spell. Like, I don't think you would be doing this under normal circumstances. Oh, does it matter? Yes, it does. It does. It matters. It matters to me. And I think it would matter to you. You know, really, he's kind of trying to be the gentleman. But the whole time I was thinking, kudos to this actor, because (laughs) despite my own preferences, if there were a gorgeous if there were a gorgeous naked woman writhing around all over me, that would be it. <laughs> and like at, at some, like at some point she's like got her hands on his crotch and she's like licking and biting his thighs. I'm like, man, he must've taken a, a several cold showers either before or directly <laughs> after the <this> scene. <laughs> that is a very good point. Uh, and, and no. this is this is Michelle Bauer, who is another person you'd recognize from a lot of the low-budget films, and she's a very pretty woman. You know, you're right. It is is almost a little rapey in a way, kind of different from the way we normally see, you know, guys taking advantage of girls. But but the thing is, is he asked for this, and it's clearly – yeah. You know, he asked for this. It's clearly what he wanted, and it's clearly the result of the imp's spell. So I thought that that line where he says – I think you're doing this because of some kind of spell. I don't think you'd be doing this under normal circumstances was, well, duh, but also, why is this scene going on forever? (laughs) Right. It does go on for a really long time, and kind of pointlessly, because eventually he gets away from her, and he makes some lame excuse, like he wants to go get water, and she's like, wait a minute, water? And he's like, uh, I mean ice. Have you ever done the ice trick? (laughs) She's like, (laughs) no, what's that? And he goes off to get ice in my mind. I'm like trying to think, hmm, what's the ice trick? What's the ice trick? That sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But, But eventually they they just split off and they both end up getting killed. And and that's kind of what this – the I read on Wikipedia, you know, the epitome of all online sources. Um, I read <laughs> that this was loosely based on the monkey's paw. The only way that I can see this being based on the monkey's paw is that in the monkey's paw, people are offered wishes and they get their wishes, but – 
it's some sort of twisted version of it. You know, it's not what they really wanted. It's the same kind of premise as like the Wishmaster series. Yeah, but this is a super lame version of the monkey's paw where we didn't even try to be clever because the first guy's wish was gold. This guy's wish was the girl. And uh, the the other girl, Taffy, was it Taffy, her wish? Yes. Was, uh, yes. She leans in and he says, I'll give you even two wishes. I'll give you one now and one later. She's like, really? Yeah. And her wish is... I always wanted to be the queen of the prom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so, so he just, he just, uh, so I guess the imp, like he, he like, I don't know, apparates her like eight feet back in the room so that she can be in the same spotlight. The gold was, and then she's just in this cheap looking tacky prom dress, like spinning around like, Oh, my greatest dream came true. <laughs> like, wow, girl. You need to dream bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Did your prom happen in a dark bowling alley too? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. It, it, and the plot just kind of rolls from here. The only other thing that I think is is worth specifically pointing out is that at first the three sisters are watching all of this from the control room and one of them says, "Oh my gosh, they're getting wishes. We've got to get down there." And then it cuts back to the imp and the imp says something like, "It's naughty to watch" or something like that. And like all three girls get like struck with this illustrated lightning and um, Babs gets blown back in her chair against the wall. And the other two get transformed into, uh, they call them demons later. I, the only, I would call them maybe minions or something. Mm. One of them kind of looks like, uh, ends up looking like the bride of Frankenstein. And I don't even know what the other one's supposed to look yeah. like. She's just got kind of a messed up kind of like, zombie face was she the one who was obsessing about her looks earlier because there's a quick little inserted scene which i think is of that girl she's trying to put cream on her face it's so clunky it 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 doesn't it hardly makes a lot of sense well i guess the gold turns into cardboard or wood or something and the the prom dress gets all ratty so they realize that um things are going bad and then from here it's just kind of a really clunky series of events where the minions are chasing people around and killing people like i think the first one they kill is they they get um jimmy the overweight guy and i i think I couldn't even really tell what they were doing. I think they put his head in that machine that buffs the bowling balls. Yeah, I think that's what uh, it was, yeah. And and so then his he comes out and his face is kind of messed up. And um, eventually they, they, they chop his head off and they bowl with it down the, the bowling lane. And Uncle Impy is like, you know, just making kind of offhanded comedy remarks throughout watching all of this happen. <laughs> um, and, and basically what it is, is these two minions chasing down the rest of the people and, and catching them in odd situations and killing them. Keith goes to find the ice for the ice trick. He's like in a kitchen and one of the minions shows up and dunks his face in the Is it the fryer? In the fryer, like the deep fryer, right? Like when they leave the snack bar at the bowling alley at night, they really should turn off the fryer. Yeah, that would I, I would advise it, yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing that was clunky was like things would happen to people and I would think they were dead and then they would come back. And I'd be like, yeah. wait, was dead <laughs> like at, like Babs after the minions take off she runs just to try to get out and like Spider and Calvin see her and they're like following her because they want to get out too and she gets to the front doors and she like touches the front doors and they electrocute her and she falls over and it looks like she's dead and I thought she was dead I wrote it down okay she's dead and then then later she's back. Um, and I feel like that happened more than once. I yeah. don't know. Maybe it was just because I was getting people mixed up and I wasn't really certain who was who. It, it's just, it's a series then of these goofy scenes where people are, you know, oh, the tough one, Spider, you know, proves herself to be tough several times by fighting with these minions and kind of protecting Calvin. And like, so they'll fight with them for a little while and then they'll run off and then, and they'll run off and they'll like find a place to sit and have a sweet little flirty conversation <laughs> 10 minutes yeah <laughs> and then another minion will show up and they'll fight and then they'll run off and hide and have a little flirty conversation for That's a little right. while like it's, <clears throat> it's it's really goofy luckily they get a lot of rest they're the ones who need it the most because they seem to be seeing the most action that's where they're developing the relationship. It's so clunky because it's exactly as you say. They fight some minions and they go and they, they sit down and they can chat for a while. And then they fight and then they can sit down and chat for a while. My favorite scene, though, is when they're being attacked and they're backed into a closet. And uh, Calvin is behind her. And she's like, don't, don't just stand there. Look for something. And so he, he looks around. He looks around on the shelving. And he grabs a, a broom and he shoves it at her. And she goes, what are we going to do? Clean it to death? She throws it away. Find something else. And he goes and he finds a gun on the shelf. 
and he yeah. hands it to her, and she goes, yeah, "How to do it? I wonder what they clean with this." <laughs> <laughs> She shoots oh, it. God, and, yeah. and I, I appreciate that acknowledgement. Like in any other movie, like they may not even call attention to how ridiculous this is, but at least they did here. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It, it's 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 so. I mean, it, it's clearly set up as a gag, and, and so many of the things are like the minions eventually both find taffy, and the way that. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is the joke is so freaking stupid that I almost <laughs> missed it. But like one of them gets up at like they knock her down or something, and then one of them picks her up by like under her arms, and the other one picks her up by her legs, and one of them says, pull, and they start pulling on her, and that's how they kill her. So they pulled Taffy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so freaking stupid but hilarious at the same time and that's the point after she dies when babs shows back up and she runs into the imp who then proceeds to tell her his whole backstory who are you why are you doing this what did you do with ronda and frankie please so many questions let's take them one at a time i'm an imp one of the minor imps to be sure but not without certain powers and magical capabilities. As you have seen, Wanda and Frankie have been made over into demons of a sort. Oh, man. Everybody in this movie is kind of wandering around without a discernible plan. It's like you said, they're just kind of wandering around and somebody bumps into one of these demons or whatever and they have to have a fight and run away. But uh, there's really no organization to it. It's all just a jumble of scenes. But eventually they do run into our janitor guy. Does he even ever have a name? I'm not even sure. I don't think so. Mr. Buck, uh, who sits down and has that conversation with them that you were talking about earlier. It was initiation and we had to help these two girls get into a sorority. To get in, they had to steal a bowling trophy what steal a bowling trophy, a bowling trophy. what bowling trophy was, well it was a large one it opened up you didn't open it up though did you well it, i didn't no uh but uh yeah yeah it got opened <sighs> my god my god my god my god you know what you done you done let the imp out <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. And then you're right. You know, just not even probably five minutes after we had the imp tell the story, now we get the janitor telling the story, too. And this is where there's all those, uh, oh, I can't hear you gags, which I actually thought were pretty funny. I don't know if I would have thought it was so funny being delivered by another actor, but this guy, um, he he, he is good delivery. Everybody who'd ever, ever made fun of or laughed at old Dave, I mean, even just a little bit. They started turning up dead, and I mean awful dead, all ripped apart. It was terrible things to see. Enough cops. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They did call the cops. And the cops figured old Dave done it, and they took him away. Poor fella. He died that very year in the gas chamber, just two days before Christmas. Sounds like an awful mess. No, no, he never did confess. No, sir, right up to the very end, he said he never done it. Yeah, it's it's pretty juvenile kind of humor. Like, we're not talking Adam Sandler juvenile humor. We're talking about, like, sixth grader juvenile humor. But Yo, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. kind of works coming out of his mouth and in this movie. You know, at least it breaks up a little bit of the boring monotony of the hor- horrible other lines that we get. <laughs> but again, that's part mm-hmm. of the charm of this film is it's so much fun to make fun of. And you can tell, like the director said, you know, he just wants to make movies that people enjoy. And I... I really feel like he kind of hit it with this one as well. And there was a demand for these type of movies in the 80s. I mean, they were all over the place. Mm. Um, like you said, you could you know, you know, could pick them up off the video store shelves. You could find them on late night TV. And, and people watched it. So, you know, it's not like this is some out there movie. I mean, it's very typical of these types of movies. And as far as these types of movies go, it's really probably one of the better ones. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jim Wynorski, he's the guy I was trying to remember his name earlier. You know, he makes these kind of movies, too. I, I feel like he's at a different level, maybe a little higher caliber with it. But, mm. well, shoot, I've said it before, like, Sorority House Massacre 2, one of my favorite movies. And this is why. You know, this is why it's one of my favorite movies. It's because of this. Because it's so much fun to just sit down and, and goof on. Right. So, Babs ends up going after Lisa, 
uh, with a paddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because the uh, because the imp turned her into one of the minions too, and she's like this sexy dominatrix minion, and that cracked me up. I mean, we don't really get to see it, but obviously, it's a callback to the beginning where she had the paddle, but now she's got this like giant paddle, <laughs> and she starts chasing. We just kind of see her chase Lisa with it, and that's it. And then later, Calvin walks into what one of the scenes where he and Spider just sitting around. He's like, "Oh, I found Lisa," and she's like, "She did." And he's like, "Yep." That's so true. Oh man. Bab shows up. What did she get into the alcohol or something? And I don't even know where this idea came from, but it just kind of came in out of nowhere that they think that they can destroy him with the imp with Molotov cocktails. Was the idea they could Mm -hmm. burn him or something? Just a new thought? Yeah, I think so. They make a couple of Molotov cocktails, and that's when Babs shows up and. There's a bit of a fight between her and Spider, and as Spider breaks away, uh, quickly Calvin gets the wherewithal to light one of these cocktails and toss it at Babs, and she burns up, and it's another one of those flaming, dancing people uh, shots, and mm-hmm. <laughs> then again they sit down, well... All right, well, we took care of that one, <laughs> and they chat for a little more. It was hard to keep track of, but at this point, there's only one minion left, and it's the Bride of Frankenstein one, and she kills the janitor. Again, we don't see it. We just um, – in fact, I think Calvin and Babs like open the door to the janitor's closet, and the minion is just standing there With over the, the janitor who's like sitting in a chair, yeah. um, just like frozen, and this, this minion is just like holding this big knife up above his head. Like, like they've been standing there waiting for people <laughs> to walk in and see them before they played the scene out. That's right. Um, and, and, and so Bride of Frankenstein minion chases them out. And she ends up getting an axe somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Spider axes her head off. Now, you know, where did the music go at this point? Like, this is a movie where it's, like, scored under absolutely everything. You feel like if it's not scored, you don't know what's supposed to be scary and what's not. But at this point, like, the music just completely cut out. And I thought, that was an interesting choice. And I thought, well, did they just run out of money at this point? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But... Did you notice that? I didn't. And I think earlier somebody had suggested, I think it was the janitor guy, had said something about they, they had they when they were having their meeting with him, Spider and Calvin were like, well, how are we going to fight this guy? And janitor's like, well, I don't know, but I have heard something, what, something told one time about using magic against itself. When Calvin ends up chopping this last minion's head off, it... The, the severed head flies through the air and hits the doors to the bowling alley, which spring open in kind of another one of those electrical spark type deals. And he says, oh, use magic against itself to explain that. <laughs> yeah. It's so clunky. At this point, I was looking at my watch thinking, I know this movie's almost over. Like, it really dark. just felt like they, were, like they were like, okay, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> bring this to a close. All right, all right, guys, bring it in. Bring it in. Yep. And so he runs out the door. And for some reason, Spider doesn't. What keeps her back there? Is it the imp? I, I don't not, I, I don't remember. It's weird because she just says, go get the car. Like, why wouldn't she just go with him? Like, yeah. why would she wait? You know, like, it doesn't make any sense. But I guess the reason is because I was wrong before. I said there was only one minion left. There's still one more. He gets in the car and minion Rhonda jumps up from the back seat. And the imp is like outside the mall now just watching all this. Standing at the doorway. <laughs> even says something like, ah, demon in the back seat, classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And so uh, Spider comes up from behind him with a, some canister or something that she's found, and she puts it over him. And we heard earlier something about how the imp uh, can be contained in a small space. And so she just very quickly and easily, this imp who's kind yeah. of omnipresent and seems to be able to see everything from his single perch you know, in front of the arcade machine, uh, couldn't mm-hmm. see, was so distracted by watching the car wreck. Uh, that uh, he didn't notice her come up from behind and put the lid over him. So she puts it over him, so he's incapacitated. At that point, I think the demon basically loses its power or dies. Yeah, yeah. Not before we get the amazing stunt scene of the car flying through the air. The car flip, right. And flips and, and lands. Now, I felt like this car had to be going, like, miles down the highway by this point. But apparently it was just in the parking lot or something because immediately... Spider runs right out 
and uh, pulls him out of the car. And, the, and then we get the music again. The music is finally there, uh, and it's this sweet kind of we're wrapping it up music <laughs> between mm-hmm. between these two. And then the next shot is it's 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 the break of dawn, and Spider is getting on her motorcycle. She takes the glasses <laughs> off of our handsome hunk Calvin. They right. get on the motorcycle and they drive off. And it's funny because the dialogue here is like, so "It's finally over." Come on, Calvin, we gotta go. One, someone must have heard this, and the cops will be on their way. Who cares? You want to explain eight mutilated bodies laying around? The imp did it. Yeah, right. You want to open the can and prove it? (laughs) He gets on the back and they take off. And they just leave the imp right there by the side of the... On the corner. corner. Oh my god, it's it's so stupid. And like, you can hear the imp talking inside. He's like, hey, hey, let me out, let me out. And he's like, hey, you in the front row, you want some wishes? Like... <laughs> uh, it's it's corny, but you know, I, I I almost appreciate the fact that it ended on that really corny note because the whole thing is just such a you know it's 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 cheese out of a can. I mean, oh, it, yeah. and it's laid on thick, but it is exactly what you would expect it to be. You know, with 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 the title the way that it is, you know, I would think that you wouldn't rent this movie expecting it to be something else. And if you rented this movie with the expectations that I would think that you would have going in, I think that you're going to get exactly what you wanted. I mean, yeah. it's it's lowbrow, it's cheesy, it's goofy. You get some boobs, you get some semi-creative kills that are kind of funny, like with the head being used as the bowling ball and stuff. And I don't know, it, it's certainly you know not my favorite type of movie um but every once in a while you know there's there's an occasion where this is the appropriate thing where you just want to sit down and goof on something with your friends get shit face drunk don't just have a (laughs) beer for this one just go just go all the way (laughs) for this one and uh you don't have to pay any attention to it the plot doesn't even really make any kind of logical sense like the sequencing doesn't even really seem to match up very well but it doesn't matter. You check in every few minutes, something goofy happens, you get a good one-liner, you see some boobs, and you move on. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for, for what it is, for what it is, I, I appreciate it. I think you're about right. This is kind of in the same league as Chopping Mall, um, Sorority yeah. House Massacre 2, those kind of films. They show up on cable. In fact, it, it almost feels like it was made for cable because it is not really gory. Even the stuff we've described of the heads getting chopped off and rolled around. Um, there's just really very little blood. There's, I don't, there's really no blood spurting and the, most of the violence happens in the dark and even the aftermath is not convincingly, you know, gross. I, I almost feel like, I don't know if it was just the budget was too low for that kind of thing. Maybe they poured all the money they had into that imp puppet, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it feels like it was made for cable market. It's it's even light on all of that stuff as well. So you know, it, it could probably appeal to a wider audience and get a little more play that way. I'm with you, and I, I can see that that's probably why that this movie stuck with me for so long. It's just it's just kind of fun. Sure. All right, well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also find us on Facebook, where we have a page. Let us know what you thought there, like us, tell us what you think of this movie, and, of course, recommend any other films that you'd like us to do. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. (laughs) 